Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste 360 with Louise Bruce, Director of the Center for Sustainable Behavior and Impact at the Recycling Partnership. Hi, Louise, and welcome, and thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Liz. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we normally start at the beginning on this show, so please tell me about your journey to this new center at the Recycling Partnership. So, First, I guess I'll start by saying that um, I am really excited to be here to talk about the Recycling Partnership's new initiative to make it easy for all people to recycle all of their recyclable materials all of the time. Um, How I got there, um, I I think there's two stories here. There might be the sort of my personal journey to this work and why I, I think it's so critical. But I, I'll start actually with where the the partnerships come to this. Um, as you know, or as I think you know, the recycling partnership has been working very hard to make sure that people can recycle. So, opening up access in cities across uh, cities and communities across the country, making sure that um, we're investing appropriately in infrastructure, working with um, producers to make sure that uh, packaging is designed for and labeled for true recyclability. But all along the way, they've noticed that there's a really critical um, piece that has to be built along with that, and that is the support for people, making sure that people can participate. That makes perfect sense. And tell me a little bit more about your personal journey. So I actually started in the world of waste as uh, what we call in New York City a community composter. I I think the very first time I I started thinking about whether... um, you know, devoting my career to this work, I was um, actually became fascinated with a vacant lot in my community. It was on along my dog walks. And I would say to my partner every day, I would just say, we're, we're meant to do something with this. And ultimately, we turned it into a community composting project where neighbors brought their food scraps. Um, we turned it into to compost and used it to beautify the neighborhood um, and give back to the families that were contributing to the compost project. Um, that really opened my eyes personally to how to the fact that waste is so much more than just a kind of public service, just a, a municipal management project. It's really about leveraging the resources we're already generating in our homes for the better of our communities, for the better of, of people. And so that kind of became the springboard for me. I went on to work for the New York City Department of Sanitation, um, advancing uh, both their community composting efforts, but also the the drop-off sites that they now have across the, the city and um, the curbside organics collection program. And uh, from there, I, I sort of went and worked in a, what I, what I think of as very related in terms of, of supporting people, but from a different vantage point, I worked with um, the San Jose Conservation Corps in San Jose, California, where I was focused on creating employment opportunities in the um, zero waste fields for uh, young people who experience systemic barriers to employment. Wow, what a ride so far. And I love your 
origin story around that vacant lot and and what you did there and and your travels and you've seen it all from east to west coast and in between yeah it's been it's been actually you know it's I think what was really eye-opening working in a variety of communities and is very related to the behavior change uh, work that we're about to embark on is just how different the experience of recycling can be uh, depending on what community you live in. Uh, While there's definitely common threads, common goals, and a common vision, I think we all share as Americans for where we want this to go. It's you, you know, the specific makeup of your program, the specific local challenges, the specific local sort of implications of infrastructure. Um, there's such variety, uh, which requires us to be really creative and thoughtful um, everywhere we go with this work. Oh, definitely. And tell me more. I was so excited to read about this launch of um, the Sustainable Behavior and Impact Center. Can you tell me more about that and and kind of what the the goals are and and your role in that? Absolutely. So I'll start with why why behavior change? Why focus on this? The Recycling Partnerships research has shown that recycling is a highly valued public institution. The vast majority of Americans, somewhere around 80%, believe that recycling has a positive impact. And yet in that same research, we find that people um, are confused, perhaps lack confidence, perhaps lack the information they need to participate. And so at the bin, that has a really serious impact. We we measure um, that somewhere around half of residential recyclables are lost due to behavior gaps among single family homes with access to curbside collection service. So just looking at that, that one slice of people who have full access to a recycling program, Um, Among those households, that amounts to somewhere around 15 million tons of recyclables that could be recycled, could be captured today if we were to shift them over to the right bin, but currently are going to landfills as a result of behavior gaps. And so we're launching the center to address that challenge, uh, to provide a sort of evidence-based approach that will um, generate innovative people-focused solutions um, to support people at every step of their recycling journey. Oh, that's so great and so well needed. And I know with the recycling partnership, I mean, that has been proven time and time again with, for example, the the feet on the ground um, programs that they did in yeah. Atlanta and other places. So I love that this is being rolled out in sort of a more formalized way. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly that's exactly right. And I appreciate you mentioning the feet on the street program that the recycling partnership has developed. Um, that really I think, you know, behavior has always been at the at the heart of what the recycling partnership has done. So in some ways, this is this is not new because this is work we've been doing. Um, We've shown through Feet on the Street, which is uh, focused on supporting residents to reduce contamination, to reduce kind of the incorrect materials that end up in the recycling bin. and through uh, through notifications, cart tagging, supportive messaging, um, and that those efforts have reduced contamination where they've been applied by somewhere around 40%. So, um, so the Recycling Partnership has really demonstrated that their approach works. And so now what we're doing is taking a sort of much broader view on behavior, looking to see if we can take the 
um, methodology, the thinking behind programs like Feed on the Street and apply it to a broader array of behaviors from point of purchase of materials all the way to point of disposal to make sure that we're in increasing participation and increasing capture of the recyclable material that's available. Well, that's fantastic. And then I know the center, like you're talking about, has a real focus on the valuable data that um, you have. Can you share more about that? I know um, I read something about the new Recycling Confidence Index. Yeah, so data is the is a critical part of this center, and I'll say three things there. So first, um, what is going to be so powerful about um, about this work, what's going to allow us to hit the ground running is that we're building this on a foundation of a tremendous amount of data that the Recycling Partnership has already put together. For example, we have our um, National Recycling Database, which has information on um, somewhere around 9,000 communities across the country. So um, that powers tools like our chatbot, which I'm happy to, to describe. Um, it, it will power uh, certainly um, kind of the, our framing behind the, some of the pilots and testing that we do. Um, so we're, we're really, what's important here is that we're really building this on a tremendous amount of experience and a tremendous amount of existing data. I think um, uh, we also um, want to really emphasize that this, this effort is about creating evidence, sharing best practices, getting that information out there as quickly as possible making sure that we really understand the um, really measuring and really carefully understanding the impact of an intervention a solution on um, behavior not just on the sort of reactions or clicks that it elicits but going all the way to the bin and understanding you know does that mailer we send out does that um, bin we provide residents whatever the solution may be does that actually boost participation does that actually boost um, capture of recyclables to and then to get that information out there to communities, to stakeholders across the recycling value chain as quickly as possible. So, um, so just to recap, there, there's sort of we're building on a foundation of data. We're we're very focused on making this a a, a process or an approach that rigorously evaluates um, the various solutions that we're testing and shares that data and what doesn't work, you know, what works and doesn't work very widely. And then thirdly, you mentioned the recycling confidence index. Um, the Recycling Confidence Index is an example of our first tool that we're putting out um, from the center. I can go into that a little bit more, but I'll, I'll say that um, one of the really interesting findings out of that is that uh, we're, we find a very strong correlation between communication and an individual of the work that we're doing on the ground. Great. And then I know you're talking about trying things, testing, reporting on what works and what doesn't, which is great because then you can always iterate, iterate. How will you be tracking the success of these programs? What kind of things are you putting into place? So success for us will be measured, as I said, in through increased participation and increased capture of recyclable material. So um, we're very focused on measuring, um, you know, once we get to the phase where we where we have um, an intervention or a solution that we believe will be effective, we're going to to um, test it in real world situations and uh, and um, evaluate the success of that that solution based on those two metrics. We're also uh, measuring confidence through our recycling confidence index uh, because we see a strong correlation between an individual's confidence and their participation. 
Um, all along the way, though, to get to those those final metrics, we'll be measuring, um, we'll be building a very robust understanding of what what motivates consumers to participate or not. Uh, we'll be testing messaging in focus groups um, and then before deploying it into the field. So there'll be sort of a very rigorous process of going from um, research to ideation to prototyping, focus group testing, and then real world testing um, to, to, as I said, assess the impact of that solution on, on capture and participation. Um, so we'll we'll have information and data available from all of those stages of our process. Good, that's great to hear. And then does I that know, make sense, Liz? I oh, want to make yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, okay, that great. makes perfect sense. Great. And I and I love the thoughtful process, right? It's gonna you're gonna have beta test and then and then go from there. So it's just such a thoughtful way to roll it out, like the recycling partnership always does. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think there's a a. We, we're approaching this very thoughtfully. We also are approaching this very transparently and, and also want to make sure that this information is available quickly um, because we don't have any time to lose in making major investments in our, our broader recycling system and want to make sure that we're providing really quick um, support to all of the incredible community recycling program managers doing this work. That's great. And I know that the goal is to help recyclers and manufacturers as well. Talk to me about how you are aiding them and helping them in addition to some of the things you mentioned. Yeah, so as I said, we're really sort of, well, actually, let me take a step back. I think in this initial phase, um, we've just launched the center, but we're, we're not wasting any time. We're hitting the ground running with pilots, um, with consumer segmentation research, with ethnographic research, where we're um, we're going into the home and really observing behavior um, up close. We're also thinking ahead to where is this where is this going? Um, and I think very soon in the next phase of the center, we'd very much like to start to make that draw that connection from point of purchase all the way to point of disposal. So not just looking at what happens in the moments before or the moments around, you know, the the kind of direct lead up to uh, a resident, an individual going to their recycling bin and placing a, a material in one place or the other. Um, we really want to look at where does, where does this, the sort of ability kind of momentum, motivation to recycle a material begin. And so um, in terms of connecting it to uh, producers and manufacturers, uh, we're going to be looking at um, where, what information do people need at what point along that continuum? Is there, are, you know, how do we effectively label? Are there tech solutions? Are there opportunities for us to communicate um, when someone's buying something or um, even when they're beginning to consume or use it uh, that would help drive them to, to recycle it when they actually get to the point of disposal. Gotcha. Okay, great. What, what I just wanted to draw there was just that I think that's very different than a lot of the, the research that's out there. Um, there. There hasn't, we haven't, you know, really drawn that full kind of mapped out that full pathway from when you just determine that you're going to purchase a material um, as you're consuming it, as you're enjoying it, as you're using it, how does that, you know, sort of what impact does that have on, on the um, ultimate kind of moment above the bin that we all know so well when we're looking at a material and trying to decide where it goes. 
Absolutely. And I think that's the point we need to get to, right? Because it is the the full life cycle of that product and it needs yeah. to be thought of in that way. I love the, that this is happening. And so I know a big piece of this is the messaging and I know effective messaging is, is critical, critical to its success. What do you think um, the challenges are in rolling out a strong messaging campaign? Yeah, that's a great question. When I, um, think back to my days working in um, rolling out organics collection in New York City. I am reminded of all the times, you know, designing the the slew of, of um, different channels through which we were going to communicate the messaging we were putting out, we were putting out, um, thinking about kind of what frequency, how many times does someone need to uh, hear from, from us as their uh, local community program. And I never... Uh, you know, to my knowledge, I didn't have access to um, definitive evidence around the that sort of could help me figure out what were the implications of the choices I was making. So if I decided to do four postcards instead of three, if I decided to knock on doors in, you know, even at two percent of the households, would that meet some level of threshold? If I used a certain messaging over another, what were the what were the you know, real world implications in terms of shifting participation and driving people to um, to adopt and engage in our programs. And that's that's exactly what we're trying to do. So some of the challenges that I can think about that I can um, uh, describe at this stage, one is just blanket messaging. You know, we we often um, have to message to all of our residents with a single postcard or a single message. And um, that you know, that blanket messaging means that we might not be speaking to everyone individually. And while we know that we absolutely have to to yeah. achieve scale, um, we absolutely need to um, make sure that our interventions are easy to deploy, that we have messaging that's templatized and ready to go, um, that it that we can really reduce the kind of any friction of getting this um, immediately out to community recycling programs and their audiences, we also know that one size doesn't fit all. Um, we need to be thinking about how might diverse audiences experience different messaging, how might, um, you know, what, how might motivations change across um, a, a large audience. So uh, to give you an example of how we're thinking about that, we earlier this year conducted um, consumer segmentation research that gave us profiles of um, five sort of different groups of recyclers and um, taught and gave us a sense of how might people be differently motivated by um, by messaging? What what is their sort of relationship? What feelings does recycling elicit for them? And as you can imagine, first that we have, you know, some that are who are hugely motivated, they'll seek out their own information. They're sort of our eco activists, our leaders on this front. And then on the other end, we have people who very much want to participate, but um, feel overwhelmed. Perhaps they lack the they feel that, you know, whether it's true or not, they they have the perception that they lack the, the knowledge of how to participate. Um, they might sort of lack confidence in in or lack an understanding of their local system. They might want to see more transparency, greater understanding of where their materials go after they're placed at the curb. And so, um, so we looked at we looked at that those different groups and um, came up with ten different sets of messaging 
directions. Um, we then focus tested that messaging and now are currently at this very moment as I speak to you, uh, testing those sort of final options that came through that process in the field in a variety of cities across the country. Um, and so we'll have a sense of, you know, how do we how do we maximize our reach? How do we make, how do we develop messaging that has that in mind, has this kind of diverse audience perspective in mind? Another, you know, on the same topic, another um, piece is equitable outreach. How do we make sure that our, our messaging is inclusive? What tools can we provide cities so that they can perhaps even work with their, their community members to um, to create messaging um, effectively that, that speaks to uh, specific audiences that they need to reach. So I, I think that's one of them. That's the sort of the blanket messaging piece um, is a critical um, critical piece of, of the pie. Definitely. And then when you raise that awareness, right, you can probably dig a little deeper then as well. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's, um, you'll see on our website at recyclingpartnership.org, there's a paper that my colleague Elizabeth Schusler, who um, is really our area expert on behavior change and motivating people to participate, she's written um, uh, a paper, a white paper about exactly what you're saying, that process of going from initial awareness to engagement and that that while, you know, at awareness and, and information and that first stage of kind of providing instructions um, investing in the knowledge of our local communities is really critical, but we have to, if we're going to elicit the participation levels that are truly going to drive a circular economy, we have to to get all the way to that level to engagement. Um, and so that's another, I think, another piece that we're looking at is what does it take to really engage people to start to have an effective conversation um, with the various residents in our communities um, to make recycling not just easy, but perhaps even enjoyable. Right. Oh, that's great. And that's a great goal, too, because, it, you know, even like your your index shows that a lot of people want to recycle, right? They just need to know how and they need to ask the resources to do it. So I know, Louise, you mentioned a little bit about um, equity and recycling. And I know that this center, one of the center's goals is to kind of help identify any of the barriers to make sure there is equity in recycling. How will you do that with um, with the haulers and the recyclers at the end of the day? So I, I want to say first that the um, recycling partnership is taking equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging very seriously. We have a number of programs across the organization um, that are aimed to do just that. And through our Recycling Inclusion Fund, we're um, doing a number of things. We're providing grants. We're looking at, we have a a fellowship program that I'm very excited we're kicking off this year. And actually the center will be be hosting a fellow. uh, so this is not just a goal of the centers. Um, it is a, a goal that's widely held across the organization, um, and you'll be seeing a lot more movement on that front. With respect to the center specifically, we are most immediately working on an equitable outreach toolkit. That toolkit will include best practices for um, just what the title says, um, conducting multicultural and equitable outreach to uh Uh, members of local communities. Part of that is this piece of starting to think about how can we achieve scale while also 
um, designing interventions, designing solutions that acknowledge, embrace, celebrate the, the sort of different challenges that we all face. Uh, so for instance, you know, if we live in different housing, how might the interventions um, need to be changed or how might we better support, for instance, um, residents of multifamily housing? So I think that's that's one piece of it. Another area where we're um, the recycling partnership has been very active um, is in looking at trans creation as opposed to translation as a tool for multicultural engagement. Uh, we just uh, recently did work around this in Tacoma, Washington, um, led by some of my my amazing colleagues Sam and uh, Sam Lake and Asami uh, Tanimoto. Uh, so we. Um, what what I mean by trans creation and Liz, are you you may be very familiar with this type of work? Um, is that just to to throw a question back at you? Is trans creation an area where you've talked to other um, experts, been engaged? No, not at all. So okay. if you talk more about that, that would be great. Sure. So um, trans creation, as opposed to the word translation, um, is is something that I think is really important to consider in, in your outreach programs. Um, so translation would be uh, kind of what we do with Google Translate, right? Like a direct translation word for word of, um, of you know, a given instructional set. We see this a lot, you know, if you have to translate, for example, your info card. Um, but what we found is that just because something is um, accurately translated doesn't mean that it's necessarily um, very well understood. So, um, for instance, you know, the Recycling Partnership has an info card that has been tested um, uh, in surveys with national audiences that looks at um, how, you know, how are materials grouped? Does it make sense how, you know, how we arrange the various bottles, cans, and paper products on, on that info card? Is that resonating with people so that, you know, through those icons, they understand the full suite of materials that are um, recyclable? And do the words that we've specifically chosen effectively capture um, a description of that group of products? And so if you, so, you know, in some cases, it can work very effectively to just translate that to say Spanish, French, Haitian Creole, whatever um, audience you might be speaking with. But often we find that, um, you know, for that for that group, um, you know, while it's an accurate term, it might not be the term that's most frequently or most readily used to describe those sets of materials. So transcreation is a process of um, working with um, the speakers of that language, the working with the audience that you're um, aiming to engage, to make sure that the that you've you've uh, made alterations to that piece to the language that most effectively communicate the spirit, the concepts, the ideas, um, as opposed to the specific translating the specific words. Is that making sense? Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you expanded on that. We experienced that ourselves at Waste 360 and Waste Expo. We do um, sort of like a multilingual brochure because we have a great relationship with the Department of Commerce and they help us um, recruit people for Waste Expo. And in order for them to really want to come and feel comfortable coming, we need to speak to them and create something in the language, right? The native language. And we yeah. found initially we were just translating, but we needed to take it a step up 
um, to what you're saying. And I, and I love that because that's really what you need to do. It's not always going to be apples to apples. And the more we all realize that, the more comfortable we will make everyone to invite them into our worlds. That's absolutely true. And I think, you know, even, so I'll say two things there. One, that is a big goal of ours is to start to really advance um, two pieces. One, you know, how can we outline a process that communities can easily, readily pick up, adopt, and achieve exactly those goals that you described? Um, so if, you know, if a transcreated kind of a template for a transcreated um, infographic or, you know, might not be readily available, that at least we can we can help guide communities through the right steps to take to get there quickly um, and get there effectively so they can best utilize their, their resources and their time um, and, and get the right solution from, from the start. I think we're also hopeful that we will be able to do just what we've done for um, uh, some of our materials in English um, to, to provide transcreate templates of transcreated uh, documents in certain languages. So uh, more to come on that front, but that's that's definitely a direction we'd like to take. And then I think there's there's work we're going to you're going to see coming from us that goes even further beyond that, that looks at, you know, can can we leverage community voices? Can we leverage um, community leaders to to take ownership of telling us what do they what do these materials need to look like what are the campaigns we need to run that are actually going to move um, behavior how can we leverage um, you know and celebrate aspects of different cultures um, to uh, to kind of bring more attention more joy more celebration to recycling um, beyond just you know this is something we all have to do so um, so I think on the on the sort of equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging front. We um, we have a lot of work to do on understanding, just to recap, understanding what are the variety of barriers that we need to directly target? How can we use language? Um, how can we use illustration, iconography to celebrate and engage um, multi uh, sort of multitude of cultures um, and all reach all Americans, all people. Um, and then what more can we do beyond that to really activate and learn from communities, build sort of build campaigns from the ground up that are scalable, that are, um, you know, that we can we can use broadly across the country that don't slow us down in, in making progress, but that really embrace um, the diversity we we're so lucky to have in this country. Well, that sounds like a great plan and, and lots of pieces that will continue to roll out. So I can't wait to see that and watch what you all do with it. And then is, Louise, will you be considering educating children as a piece of this or is it more focused on uh, adult consumers at this stage? I think that uh, I think this is a really good question. One of our one piece of um sort of research that, or sort of one question I should say we have going into the ethnographic research that I mentioned earlier, that's that sort of immersive um, in the home look at what what truly is driving behavior. Um, are you familiar, Liz, with ethnographic research as a concept? Yes. Okay, great. So, um, so through that, one of our questions is, is the, are the family dynamics? Um, who are the champions in the household that are driving this? Often you'll hear that it's the young people or the the students, even the you know the the kindergartners and first graders who are driving their parents to participate. We're looking at you know what 
going back to that, um, kind of going back to the beginning of our assumptions and looking at who are the champions in the household, how can we best support them? Um, how can we how can we support their family members who might be the laggards in the household as well? Um, and and what implications does that have for participation? So I would say in terms of students, we are we're approaching this with the lens of we want to we want to look for the most impactful, effective, scale, rapidly scalable solutions. And if we find through our research that students play a, a big role in that, then then certainly they will be um, solutions for students will will be a key part of this. And and of course, I think they you know, we want to support anyone out there who's working on supporting students in schools. Um, uh, they're critical, you know, critical members of households. They're the next generation leading um, leading this work. Uh, but I think I, I just want to emphasize that um, this idea of family dynamics, if who, you know, we also want to make sure we're really understanding who the champions are in the household um, and how we can best support them. Oh, that's good. That's a great way to approach it. And then, Louise, a lot of our li listeners are uh, waste and recycling folks. So, do you have any advice for them in, in how to achieve success um, in embracing a program like this? I'll say a couple of things. Um, so for all of your listeners who are interested in um, advancing behavior change in your local program, uh, no matter what sort of position you hold across the recycling value chain, we want to work with you. We need everyone at the table um, to drive change in this area. Uh, so um, one opportunity that we have just to get started is we're looking for local community recycling programs that might want to partner with us on capture studies and behavior change studies. Uh, that that survey, that that opportunity to to submit an expression of interest in partnering with us is available at recyclingpartnership.org/community-survey. We um, also. Uh, are really interested in hearing from you if you have best practices already. We want to we want to amplify the great work uh, that's going on out there. And so, if you've done work in the area of behavior change, in the area of um, increasing participation in multicultural outreach, um, anything that's putting people at the heart of of your program, we definitely want to um, we want to know about it. We want to share best practices with you, and we want to amplify your work. Um, and then lastly, we're very excited to be uh, working on a what we're calling our community digital tool, official name to be announced, um, where through which uh, we will be very rapidly disseminating, sharing the findings and learnings coming out of our research. That digital tool will be uh, ready for beta testing in um, the fall. And so we're looking for communities that might be interested in helping us to beta test that tool. What that would involve is simply um, completing that that survey that I mentioned earlier at recyclingpartnership.org/community-survey, and just letting us know at the in the very last question if you're interested in being a beta tester of that tool. That will give you access to our digital tool, which um, uh, gives you a window into our national recycling database. So you'll be able to look at. Um, uh, information about communities across the country. You'll also have access to various resources from the Recycling Partnership, um, and then you'll work with us to to help um, identify the um, you know the adjustments, the expansions we may need to make to that tool to make it highly usable to local community recycling program managers. Fabulous. Now, will there be an app component to this, or is this mostly web? 
so it'll it'll function a lot like an app. Um, so, but it's a it's an online tool that you'll be able to access for free. I should mention through our website, um, and I uh, I believe they'll you'll be able to access it on other de devices um, as a you know similar to how you would an application. Oh, very cool. Great. Oh my goodness, such interesting and helpful tools that you're rolling out. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's really exciting. We're full steam ahead. <laughs> I love it. Now, I know we talked about a lot, but there's anything else you want to share that uh, I didn't ask you about? I, I'd love to just mention why the Recycling Partnership is launching this center, why it's important that this center is housed at the partnership. And for me, it it's about, you know, I, I go back always to that moment above the recycling bin that we all know so well when we're looking at a material in our hand and we're wondering where we should put it. And as all of your listeners know, because they play such a critical role in this, the drivers of that decision, the drivers of your ability to put it in the recycling bin are many. It goes back to, you know, do... Um, did the producers of that product, of that packaging, design it for and label it for true recyclability? Do, does your local community program have the ability to accept that material and have they effectively communicating the, communicated the acceptance of that material to you as, as their resident? Um, and so many other uh, sort of drivers. Uh, I could go on and on, but I think your listeners know very, very well how how thoughtful, how important, how complex that process is of of making sure something can go in the recycling bin. And so for that reason, we really need to to do this, advance this work as a collective. We want, as I said, everyone at the table across the recycling value chain. We want to learn from one another and share best practices very readily. And there's no other organization in my mind um, besides the recycling partnership that um, is effectively positioned to do that, to bring all the stakeholders together at a national scale. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned much earlier in the in our conversation, um, we really wanted to make sure that this this work was built on a strong, solid foundation of expertise and data, and um, you know, re recycling behavior, re supporting people, opening up access uh, to recycling in communities across the country has been at the heart of the recycling partnerships work for nearly a decade. And so we're able to to leverage that those insights, that data, um, to really advance this work, hit the ground running, as I said, so that we can start to put out learnings um, and share best practices right away. And again, I think that's where the recycling partnership um, is is the perfect home for the center. Um, so um, I, you know, I couldn't think of a better organization to be hosting this work. Um, and I really want everyone to know that our doors are wide open, and we want everyone to come in and help us help us do this and do this at scale, um, achieve uh, meaningful support for people, make it easy for people to recycle all of their recyclables all of the time as quickly as possible. Oh, wow, that's great. And I'm so happy we got a chance to talk about this because I, I think this is huge. I think it will help so many people from consumers to manufacturers to recycle recyclers. And I know that is is part of the goal of, of everything um, that the Recycling Partnership does. So I think this is just a great avenue to do this and, and a center that will probably never run out of work to do, <laughs> Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever 
Yeah, let us know what um, we do. We do have a big agenda, but um, we're we're listening. So, Liz, if you have um, specific questions you think we should embark on, we're we're here to help. But I I think what you're saying it's, um, you know, likewise, uh, it's forums like this that are are really critical to our in industry and and to our work. So I really appreciate you having me on for this discussion. Um, and to celebrate our, our big announcement, our launch of the Center for Sustainable Behavior and Impact. Well, congratulations, and I can't wait to follow and see where this all goes. And I trust that um, with you overseeing it, it will do great things just as uh, you're envisioning. So congrats. Thanks so much. And it's a big shout out to the team at the Recycling Partnership. I, I feel very honored to work with such an amazing group of, of people who are so mission driven and work so hard um, to advance circularity. Oh, great. And I hope to meet you in person soon and good luck with your move and um, enjoy Ithaca. I know Thank you will. Thank you. Thank you. You're just a state, a state or so away. So I hope to see you in person sometime. Okay. Have a good Bye. week. Bye.